Oids is Asteroids Meets Gravatar. It's the Atari ST Show, Episode 1. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Atari ST Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Oids. But... Before we talk about OIDs, Aaron, we should probably talk about what we're doing here. The old Atari ST show. You knew it had to happen sooner or later. You know, we, we, we started doing a podcast, Aaron, about the Amiga. Do you remember what year it was? I don't. I know. 1946, something like that. I don't know, 2015, man. 2015, almost oh, seven years right. ago. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we figured it was time to do a show about a real 16-bit computer. Oh, listen to you. No, listen. Actually... You know, to tell you the truth, I've always been curious about the Atari ST. Um, it was never a machine that I grew up with, but uh, unlike the Amiga, I definitely heard about the ST because uh, I had an Atari 8-bit, and um, it slowly but surely took over my beloved Antic magazine one article at a time, uh, replacing the 8-bit coverage I cared about with the 16-bit news and reviews that I cared not about, because I knew I wasn't getting an ST anytime soon. Uh, until uh, eventually Antic magazine was renamed Start with a capital ST in uh, June of 1990. You know, I always, I always hated that as a kid. Did that ever happen to you, Aaron? Did you ever have a magazine that slowly but surely morphed into something else? Uh, you know, if it was a tech magazine or whatever, maybe it was just like reading about stuff that you didn't have. Did that ever anger you? It did. It did anger me all the time, especially with like I used to get the Coco programs occasionally that had some in compute, but they had so few in there. And so and the Coco got such limited coverage uh, in the old magazines, unless you had a Coco, one of the few Coco magazines, you were boned. And I can imagine what it feel like to see your machine slowly giving way to something better. That's always yeah. the that's always the worst. Uh, the, now the you never knew anyone back in the day that owned an Atari ST. No. How about you? Did you what? Do you have any childhood memories of the ST? Well, I was not when I was a child, but my I, the same guy that had Amigas had an ST. He was the first guy I saw that had one, and he was a, a music uh, guy, you know, which is why he had the Amigas, and he used them both. But it's funny, I didn't see him use the ST all that much. And my and of course we played games on this Amigas. We didn't play any games on the ST. So with the exception of the few times that myself and the brand over at ARG Presents have delved into the ST on that show, I feel like I'm coming into this show sort of like you did when we started the Amigos. Like I really don't have a whole lot of frame of reference for the ST. I've not really touched on its library except by you know in comparison to Amiga or other computers. Uh, in terms of the games that we played on those shows. So, I mean, I really don't have any idea what to expect. I know there's a heated rivalry uh, between the ST crowd and the Amiga crowd. And, I, and if anyone knows me and Boat, we literally walk seamlessly from machine to machine. I have no biases. I have no uh, personal grip uh, gripes or anything. I'm anxious to see what things got to offer, Boat. Yeah, yeah. So we should spell this out right at the beginning, Aaron. Uh, the Atari ST show is going to be 100% about games. Um, <laughs> you and me are both big gamers, and we are not, emphatically not, hardware guys. No. Uh, so, you know, if you like reminiscing about your favorite games for the ST, you are in the right place. Uh, if you want us to break down the different chipsets and the different models, uh, you can go ahead and, and turn the dial to the right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not, not our what's going to happen here. No. And we... <laughs> so, 
we know better to walk down that path. Yeah, road. yeah, that's right. That's right. There are people that are experts in that stuff, and we're not going to cross them. So mm. uh, you might be asking yourself, how do you and me pick games featured on our show? And I'm asking, of course, the listener. I think that you know, Aaron, although you might not know. So that's where our Patreon community comes in. Uh, if you visit patreon.com slash Atari ST show, uh, you'll see the game selection committee there. And if you join at that tier, you'll be part of the crew that nominates and votes on the games we play each week. But that's not all. Uh, Being part of the Game Selection Committee also gives you nominating and voting privileges for all of the other shows that Aaron and I do together, which is Amigos, Everything Amiga, Our Sinclair, an American take on the ZX Spectrum, The Coco Show, all about the TRS-80 Tandy color computer suit. You're getting a lot of bang for your buck. Mm. And um, one thing that I think is actually really cool about the games we're going to play on the ST Show is that they're all going to be ST exclusive. And by that, I mean they're games that didn't appear on the Amiga. So that's probably not the best use of the word exclusive, but it just means that we're not going to cover games that also appeared on the Amiga, at least at first. Uh, They did appear in some cases on other platforms. That way, we're hopefully going to uncover some gems and avoid the sort of ST versus Amiga debate for the most part, except for the weeks where we have the Amiga versus ST battle category so uh each week's game will come from one of the following rotating categories we're going to have sports or racing adventure or rpg puzzle or strategy arcade port or clone platform or shooter and then finally the amiga versus st battle Hmm. so anyway that's the show in a nutshell. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you're tuning in to the ST show for the first time and giving us a chance, and we'd like to give an extra special shout out to ST show game selection committee member, Dave Velociraptor, who signed on before we recorded our first show and helped us select this first game. Oids. So Aaron, Let's get right down to it. Let's talk about oids. Mm, sounds like something you can get a lotion for, but I'm trying to get used to saying <laughs> the word oids. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's tough, a, isn't it? Yeah. Without him in front of it. <laughs> oids was released way back in 1988, Aaron, and it was programmed by Dan Hewitt. Um, as far as I know, oids was the only game that Dan Hewitt ever released. Um I'm always kind of surprised at these one-and-done games, Uh, but I guess sometimes programming is such a massive undertaking that if you don't see the kind of financial reward that you think you deserve, I can see how it would be easy to jump ship from the games industry and just work somewhere else in the software industry where I'm sure in most cases you can make a lot more money. Um, Oids was released by FTL Games. Uh, FTL Games was headquartered in San Diego, in California, uh, and they published just a slew of AAA titles. Uh, get ready for this list, Aaron. Uh, right. You've got Oids, of course. You've got Sundog. Sundog, one of the most famous space trading games of the era. Yeah. But, of course, the big dog was Dungeon Master. Yes. Dungeon Master. Uh, Aaron, I know that you uh, you know that I have a particular loathing for dungeon crawlers, but I've got to give credit where credit's due. And Dungeon Master was, I mean, it was probably the finest line of games in that genre for, for many a year. So anyway, the, the only other credit I could find for this game was the cover art. It was drawn by David Darrow, who designed a couple of other pieces of box art for FTL's games. Uh, Aaron, any thoughts on the cover art for this game? Um, it, it looked okay. Like I don't, I don't remember anything standing out in particular. I think the logo is pretty slick. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a, you know, we like that. I like that stylized, uh, like lettering thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's when they make it memorable. And when this game opens up uh, right away, you get that kind of bouncing eye thing that they do. And it's pretty, it's pretty stylized and neat. I kind of like what they did there. Yeah. You've got, it's, it's sort of pre-rendered. It's a pre-rendered like 3d font. Yeah. Uh, and it's animated. So yeah, the title screen is cool. Um, but let's talk about what Oids actually is. So, uh, you know, in the early days, the earliest days of video games, almost way back in 79, you had a game called Lunar Lander. You remember Lunar Lander, right, Aaron? I love that game. And when it came out back in the day, that was one of my faves. I mean, early on, it was a lot of fun. I loved that one. Yeah, yeah. You use your thruster to fight gravity. You land your lunar lander module on the surface of the moon at different locations to get points. Uh, The same year, you also got one of the big dogs of the golden age of arcade gaming, Asteroids. Yes. Uh, Now, where would you put Asteroids in your pantheon of of Hall of Fame games? It's got to be near the top. I mean, the top, certainly the top 25 or 30, like all time games. Listen, it's a simple premise. You know, but it's a brilliant game. The mathematics in it are brilliant, if anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been very widely, uh, uh, you know, copied over the years. It's funny, those classic uh, Atari offerings, they just keep coming back in various forms because they stumbled upon a basic play element that can be used, you know, throughout history in various scenarios. I think this game's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, asteroids, you've got the same basic controls as Lunar Lander, but instead of landing, of course, you're blasting asteroids and alien spacecraft and all kinds of stuff. So what OIDS did was take both of those concepts, Lunar Lander and asteroids, throw in a dash of Choplifter just for fun and then go to town. It's also, you know, pretty similar to a game that I played for the first time this week called Gravitar. Gravitar is a color vector game, sort of like Major Havoc where you go to different zones and it's also a gravity based game that you're destroying stuff. It's very, very difficult, which yeah, it's a real also, good one. you know, yeah, it makes it, it's, it's also similar to Oids. So here's yeah. the story. Here's the story of Oids. Okay. You've got the evil Biocrates or Biocretes. I'm going to go with Biocretes. Biocretes. Okay? Sounds, I like that. That's not bad. Look him up. Okay. He's under Socrates. This <laughs> alien race that has created this race. Okay. Of Android slaves called oids so the biocretes uh created android slaves called oids okay now let's stop right here for just a second right these are androids they're robots yeah is it possible to actually enslave a robot i mean if you go over to the toyota factory in buffalo and you see the rows and rows of robots putting together transmissions do you see them as enslaved you're going down that isaac asimov road there but and here's the thing if they depending on their level of intellect I do believe you can, in fact, enslave a robot. Or, or, and at that point, you call them artificial humanoids, but that's mm. what they like to be called. I see. I see. Well, according to the manual, the oids don't have hearts, but they do have souls, which introduces a whole other set of existential questions. But let's put those aside for now. You, you, Aaron, are so moved and angered by the mistreatment of the oids that you vowed to devote your life to freeing the pods from the yoke of biocrete slavery. Okay. I love it. Yes. You joined the intergalactic organization Save Oids, creatively named, and through your courage and passion, quickly rose through the ranks to V-Wing Pilot Commander. So in this game, you're piloting one of the V-Wings, and it's your job to go and save the Oids. So when you fire up the game, the first thing you see is the galaxy selection screen. 
Okay, so you can choose to defend and rescue Oids in six galaxies. And each one of these galaxies have a certain number of planetoids within them. So it's it's like you pick a galaxy, and then there's uh, you, and then you're you're freeing Oids from various planets within the galaxy. Uh, I think, but I wasn't able to confirm this that they're they're named for their difficulty. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but like there's a there's a galaxy called Nubeculoid and Intermedia. And I figured, well, maybe like Nubeculoid, <laughs> that's like the newbie galaxy. Intermediate yeah. might be like, did you see that? Did you notice that at all? I never, I saw those names, but I never, it never occurred to me. You're probably right. It's very clever. Yeah. So anyway, you choose one of the galaxies. You get a little first person cutscene of your ship warping out of the galaxy. It looked and rescue then, and fractalis like. Oh yeah. It's ship, very much it? like yeah. rescue on fractalis, right? And then you get a shortcut scene of your mothership dropping your ship off and away you go. Now, Aaron, I've kind of set the stage here for what's going on. What were your first impressions of Oids? Well, you know, I did, like I said, I mentioned, I really liked the opening, um, the opening logo. I have to say, I didn't look the backstory for this, but I kind of think that's cool. You're sort of a uh, futuristic uh, uh, activist. Yeah. You know, a I kind of like the force of the future. That's kind of, it's kind of neat, though. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a kind of a clever thing to do. Uh, when you're, uh, when you're, when you're in your ship, they didn't have to add that little cut scene, but they did. You know, I love the little touches like that because it gives the game more flavor. You know, and I yeah. like the, I like what they did there when you shows you in your ship and you're uh, and you're heading to the planet. I like the UFO that drops you. That's cool. Again, that's not something they had to do, but I like it. You know, and I, my first impressions when I saw the game, once I understood what was going on, uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting slant. You know, the, there's there, there's a lot of outlines without fill, color fill, but it kind of gives the game a shadowy almost feeling to it, like you're in space because it's mm -hmm. you know you're it's dark in space, and so I like the look of the game, and so right away I could tell that I mean you could tell instantly just from even the logo screen that someone actually cared about the product they were putting together and put some extra time in it. So my initial impressions were pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Now. Let's talk a little bit more about how the ship controls. So if you played Asteroids on the Atari 2600 or the 7800, you'll feel right at home on Oids. Uh, your stick rotates you left and right. Uh, you press up to thrust and you press down to turn your shield on or off. Um, you do have to utilize the keyboard to some extent. Uh, you have to use the space bar to recharge your shield once it's depleted. Um, if you hit the fire button, it fires your, your normal bullets, and these normal bullets are known as nuclear pellets. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> if you double-click your fire button, you fire something called a Nova Bomb, a Chevy Nova Bomb, which is a, just a, a more powerful version of every your Every pellet. Chevy Nova was a bomb. I can tell you that right it's now because I owned one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've also got to deal with fuel in this game. So you're, you're constantly looking around the screen, seeing how much shield you've got left, how much fuel you've got left. You constantly lose fuel in the game. And as you might suspect, and it costs you fuel to replenish your shields. So there's two ways that you can pick up more fuel. Uh, you can either pick up a full load of oids, which is eight, and then you can dock in your ship and refuel, or you can land beside one of these fuel depots, which are like they belong to the alien race to the biocretes. Okay. Now, speaking of oids, that's what we're doing here. We're, we're rescuing oids. Now, the oids aren't just lounging around the surface of the planet like on any good. Uh, what 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 they're doing is that they are 
they're hanging out inside these structures, okay? It's always weird when you think about how gravity and oxygen level and things like that. I guess these are, they are, um, they're, they're androids, so they don't need to breathe. So I guess you don't, right. the, the usual, you know, caveats about how do these people breathe in outer space and all that stuff, it, it doesn't really apply. But what you have to do here is uh, you, you actually have to uh, blow up the building that they're hiding in and then they will run out, of course, because the building has been is is on fire, and you, they they run out because they're scared. And then you rescue them. Um, so uh, picking up the oids, what you do is this is where the lunar lander part of the game comes in. Yes. You have to turn your ship so the nose is pointing straight up, and then you carefully slow your ship down and you park it right next to the oid. But you have to be careful to turn your shield off first, because if you don't, your shield will vaporize the oid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found out the hard way, unfortunately. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what did you what did you think about the landing and picking up part of this game? Listen, they, this game has a lot of moving parts. OK, I think we can both agree on that. Yeah. When you're controlling thrust, plus shooting two different projectiles, Plus you have a shield, plus you've got a land, plus you've got fuel. That's a lot to keep track of. There's a lot going on. Now, control-wise, I think the thing's pretty solid. Uh, the uh, uh, You have to get used to this sort of gravitational gimmick. Uh, just like Lunar Lander, uh, you have to get used to it. And you can't, you don't, this isn't a game where you just hit the fire button and just drive around the screen. You're thrusting, you're not thrusting. You're getting pulled in by gravity. There's there's momentum, just like an asteroid. So you're flying all over the place. The shield is a must, and your ability to use that shield, especially early in your playing, just because it's, it's so easy to run into the into the side of the screen, you yeah. know, and, and get mauled. So the the shield, if anything, just keeps you from from uh, not screwing up as much, yeah. you know? I mean, using using your shield in this game effectively is 100% essential to being able to play it well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I went into this thinking about the shield is something that you use in a last-ditch attempt to get you out of hairy situations, sort of like how you use hyperspace and asteroids, where exactly. it's like, if things are really going south, but no, you've got to keep your shield. If you watch people that are good at this, they're using their shield at least 50% of the time, and they're using it to manipulate the environment so they can bounce off things to get to areas that would normally be inaccessible to you just flying around in. You've got to know that going in. You've got to know that there's like caves and stuff in this game, and it is physically impossible for you to negotiate these platforms unless you turn that shield on and you just kind of bounce off the edges, sort of like bumper buddies when you're bowling. You know, it's sort of that <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, the uh, something else that needs to be mentioned and talked about is the picking up of the oids themselves. You know, you mentioned that this had uh, something in common with the, with uh, a chop lifter. Mm. Uh, and I will say the the guys in this look great. Like I mean, they're teeny tiny. Yeah. Uh, but they are emotive. They'll put yeah. one arm up. They're they're there you can see them moving around. They look like real little guys as they run around. And it's always, I almost always feel bad when I go to pick up a big load of them because there's all, there's a 98% chance that we're all going to die out of fire. <laughs> That's the problem with this activist. You know, if you're going to be an activist and rescue these guys and liberate them, you better make sure you can get them out of there because there's every possibility they're going to die horribly. Uh, right, but it is right. cool. And, and sort of like Sensible Soccer, since we first saw that, that are lemmings, where you, they take these little tiny guys and they actually give them a lot of personality. And I like the element. I mean, that really is the game, is loading these guys up. I mean, and the thing is, they could have not... We've played games 
mini games. Me and the Brit have played tons of ARG where it's a lot like this game, but without that rescue element, that really makes it fun. Uh, yeah. and, and and making those guys fun to rescue is an added bonus. Then you have to sort of dock with your ship to unload them. I like that. Uh, you know, Choplift is a really hard game, uh, and this this has a similar sort of difficulty in a similar way because you're you'll be rescuing these guys, and depending, on, you better make sure you've wiped everything out that's anywhere near you, or you'll get mauled. This isn't right. the kind of game where you can land under fire and hope it works out. Well. It, it, one of the things that's great about this game is it doesn't do the old Psygnosis special where you go uh -huh. off the screen and you come back on and all the enemies have respawned. When yeah. you when you knock something out, even if you die, it's going to be gone when, for the rest of the game, which is great. It's great because the real enemies in this game are not the the well they are the ships. the The ships they, they do they do come after you and they do kill you, but the real enemies I found are the gravity wells. The gravity wells either push you or they pull you immediately towards destruction. Yeah. I mean, and that's... They're that's, tough to handle, too, especially when you're new at the game. Right. What I really would have liked is is a, just an extremely easy level, like a tutorial level, with no gravity wells where you're just getting used to flying with the normal gravity. You've got a limited number of enemies to shoot, and you're just getting used to landing your ship picking up oids and, and, and docking. So yeah. uh, we should talk about when you pick up the eight oids, your mothership will appear. Somehow your mothership knows that you've picked up eight oids and you can reboard it. You essentially fly into the bottom of it. Uh, actually, I think if you you position your, yeah, you, you basically, you, you position yourself underneath it and it kind of picks you back up in there right. and you move on. Uh, and if you've picked up or you, two things happen, you either refuel, you drop off the oids or if you've picked up all the oids on the planet, then you just get whisked off to the next to the next planetoid. Right. Uh, you can see this visually on the HUD, which I think is really good and giving you the information that you need and staying out of the way. So when you pick up eight oids, they they start waving, uh, which which is great. You can proceed, and then you know you you go back up to the the top of the screen. Uh, for each eight oids you rescue, you also earn a bonus ship, so that's good. Uh, this is definitely a game you play for score. Uh, if you achieve the current high score for a particular galaxy, you can record your name at the galaxy selection screen displayed at the beginning of the game. So this is definitely a, a high score game. Um, I, I'm I'm definitely like you. Um, I I found this game to be extremely difficult. Uh, unlike Asteroids, this game seems to be really hard from Jump Street. It's a lot like Gravitar. Gravitar is it does not hold your hand at all either. Um, everything is out for you. Everything is trying to kill you except for the trees in this game. The trees are the only benign objects that there are. But um, overall, I think the game is good. I do. I, I think it's challenging, but I feel like if you got into it, you'd really get a good sense of accomplishment by being able to clear the planets. Uh, the graphics are very serviceable. I wouldn't call them the the greatest, but it looks like a 16-bit game. You know, it doesn't look like an 8-bit game. And like you said, having the the outline of the rocky features, it does give you the sense of the darkness of space, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I fear that we may be running into one of my personal bugaboos, just like with the Amiga. There's a, a distinct lack of in-game music uh, here. Uh, now, I know we're just on episode one, so hopefully I'll be proven wrong and games in the future will feature more than just sound effects. Uh, but uh, I, I would have liked to have a little tune, something going on here to, to break up the monotony of just the sound effects. So, Aaron, you have any closing thoughts on OIDs? Well, I don't know how far you got into your, like how many levels in you got. And I, I wasn't able to personally get 
I think I got to the third uh, stage. But I did watch, uh, I watched uh, Sanction uh, stream this yesterday. I was watching his show. Got to see someone get real far into it. And I will say, one thing that this game does have, it's a lot of fun to watch. And it's a lot, because you're panicking the whole time. Uh, because it's such a hard game. But there, there, it gives you the ability to make those last second saves. To turn your shield on. There's a real element of excitement that the game gives you. And I think this is actually uh, sort of a, I'd never heard of it, if I'm honest. I think it's sort of a hidden gem, uh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's hard. It is hard. Don't get me wrong, but it's the kind of arcadey hard that you can get into. It just requires a lot of practice. It's all about learning to control your ship. And as you get further into the levels, the levels get a lot more complex and mazy almost. Uh, you have to have that top top ability to control your ship. But I thought it was a real neat game. I like the premise of it. I like the I like the graphical stylings. Like you said. I would go a step above serviceable, just because I think they were more stylized than serviceable. Because if you filled all those rocks, and I don't, I, I liked what they did. They kept yeah. it blank, and that's I think that's a, it was a good choice. Uh, I'd like to say the, I, yeah, I think also too. at the same time you don't want to you don't want to introduce a whole lot of distraction because this is a game that does require a high degree of concentration where you need to be focused in on your ship and the immediate environs because there's a lot of stuff coming at you. So I yeah. can understand it for sure. Yeah. Um, Oids did appear on a couple other platforms. Uh, it got a Macintosh release in 1990. Um, so just a couple years after. And Aaron, I literally spent probably five or six times more time trying to get this thing to run on the Macintosh than I did actually playing Oids on the Atari ST. Yeah. I tried everything. I tried to get it going through the, the JavaScript Mac emulator. Uh, I have a blue and white G3 Mac that I thought would run it. I couldn't get it to run on that. I couldn't get it to run on your Mac, the Mac that you let me borrow, which technically is right in the wheelhouse, that that power, that early PowerPC Mac. Um, so I challenge you, listeners, if you feel froggy and you want, you want a, a hardware challenge, try and get OIDs up and running uh, in 16 color mode because it only runs in two colors or 16 colors, which is part of the problem. It won't run in 256 color mode for some reason on the Mac. Uh, it is a real challenge. But uh, this game also got a release as an Amiga port. But yep. since that was a much, much later release, uh, it came out just a couple years ago. It still falls under the rules for, for the show here. Yeah, and I really um, have you looked at them both. Eh, you're okay with the ST version, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this game reviewed well. Uh, Ace, which stands for, we got some new magazines to talk about here, Aaron, since we're, we're on a new platform. Ace yeah. stands for Advanced Computer Entertainment. This was a mag out of the UK. Fancy. It gave it not, yeah, it gave it 969 out of 1,000. Out of 1,000. Wow, uh, that really got in there. Yeah. Um, ST Format put it at number 23 in the top 50 Atari ST games of all time. Hmm. And check this out, Aaron. Retro Gamer, uh, that UK, modern UK magazine, did a reader's poll. And Oids ranked, get this, number 83 in the best games of all time. Wow. List. Yeah. Is this game going in your top 100, Aaron? Well, I've still got to get a little more intimate with it, if you know what I mean, to get in there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I will, I do. The, you know, these are the kind of games I like. Arcade action, not super complicated, but they, they did, you know, this is not a game you could have released in the arcades because there's too much depth, you know, if I'm honest. And that's what makes it a great home computer game because you need that little added depth. So they just kept the, they kept the arcade side of it and added the depth to make it something you can play over and over at home. So, yeah, I yeah. can get into it, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we did get some Discord reviews. One of the perks of being part of our Discord community, which you get by uh, supporting the uh, the Atari ST show, uh, as well as any of the other shows on the network, uh, you can leave us a review, which we will read on the air. So the first review comes from Pajaco6502. He says, I like Lunarlander, Gravatar, and Asteroids, so Oid seemed right in my wheelhouse. It's a game where you fight against gravity, aliens, and not filling the swear jar. <laughs> a tough game to start with, but one where <laughs> where you make improvement quickly. Being only able to shoot and fly in eight directions, unlike asteroids, adds another layer of challenge to the game, meaning sometimes you'll be fiddling to line up shots to shoot enemy ground targets. That's very true. Yes. Uh, dying and getting back into the action was a little too slow. Sitting through the mothership intro after each life was vexing after a while. We didn't mention that, Aaron, but I found that to be extremely annoying. Did you? Yeah, you did. And also, you know, that's why you're in the middle of that. I want to. He did bring up a point that we didn't mention. We should. There's something to one of the big elements of this game is actually getting yourself in position to make shots. I mean, that's a huge part of the game. And that goes back to your ship control. He brought it up there. But it's that is kind of neat. It's kind of neat. It's satisfying when you get yourself in the exact right like uh, angle to where you can nail whatever ground target you're shooting at. So that that was a fun part of the game. Absolutely. He says, uh, it's certainly ripe for a remake, especially if you could try out other people's levels online. That is cool. That would be cool. Uh, seven out of 10 from Pajaco. He says, P.S. Many oids died to bring you this review. <laughs> oh, good. and you know, one thing that I didn't mention, Aaron, is that this game does come with a level editor. Pajaco yes. points this out, too. Uh, it is joystick control only. So it's it's sort of clunky. Uh, I was not able to make much of anything out of it, and I didn't. I wasn't inspired to because it just wasn't that much fun to move around. If, this thing is if, is for the Atari ST. Why could they not give you you know a point and click interface like a SimCity type thing where you've got a toolbar and stuff like that? I, my guess is that that was sort of an afterthought, something they could add to the box. They didn't. They didn't spend a whole lot of time putting together. But that's just a guess for me. I do like the idea of making your own levels of this. That might be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Retro Jerry writes. Choplifter, Lunar Lander, and Asteroids had a baby. Oids is fun, if not a difficult game, combining the gravity aspect of Lunar Lander, spinning and thrusting of Asteroids, and the pickup action of Choplifter. These elements combine to make a good game, and it does keep you coming back for more punishment. If this were the only new game I had when I was 15, I would have had a blast playing with a friend while trying to master it, but I don't have the patience anymore. Old games are hard. Mm. Good graphics, gameplay, and sound. A great first game for an Atari ST noob such as myself. 7 out of 10. I agree with that, yeah. And finally, Sanction. Tim Drew writes, Oids for the Atari ST (laughs) simply conjures up so many nostalgic memories for me. Playing this in the old game shop I used to work in back in the late 80s, Oids has a simple game idea. Fly your V-Wing ship over craggy surfaces over each planetoid across each galaxy to rescue Oids from the clutches of the evil Biocrete forces. This game is a mixture of Gravatar, Lunar Lander, and Thrust. Controlling your V-Wing ship is easily done by using keys or the joystick. Control your ship by steering left or right and using Thrust to speed up or slow down against the planetoid's gravity. Smooth and controlled actions are required to navigate the surface of each planetoid, making sure you watch your fuel level as you power through each level. To rescue the oids, you must search for the Biocrete factories that have imprisoned them, and once you have eight oids aboard your ship, you must return to the the start of the planetoid to drop off and complete the level. Along the way, you're faced with ground objects that can launch missiles, fighters, fighters, and can repel you as you get closer. 
This is a classic, charming lander shooter collect em up with simple but effective graphics, tons of great gameplay with a very sharp difficulty curve for inexperienced pilots. Be brave and get out there and save some oids. Highly recommended ST title and a brilliant start to the ST show, gents. Free the oids! Nine out of ten. <laughs> very good, very good. That's going to do it for the uh, the Discord reviews, Aaron. So um, we thank everybody for uh, contributing those. And um, I have, uh, I guess, oh yeah, we need to talk about what's going on on eBay. One of the things we like to do on our shows is look up the prices of these games, what they're selling for right now on eBay. Unfortunately, Aaron, I looked on eBay and found no current or past copies of what's I, up for sale. I was interested so, to hear what you were going to say about that because I had a look too, and I was like, "Oh, this thing, these things ain't available." And there's not, it, there was it, a lot of ST stuff that I didn't see there. There's not as ton of it out there. Yeah. So if you've got oids, uh, you've probably got something in terms of see your doctor immediately. <laughs> well. That's going to do it for Oids, Aaron. And that brings us to a close to the first episode of the Atari ST show. So uh, we want to hear your feedback. Uh, this is our first episode. Please feel free to leave us a comment on YouTube or write us a review on the podcast service of your choice. Uh, we do release this show in both audio podcast and video format on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you go to anchor.com slash Atari ST show, uh, you can find, or it's anchor.fm, sorry, slash Atari ST show. Uh, you can plug that RSS feed into the podcatcher of your choice. Uh, we also record live on Twitch. We're recording this live on Twitch right now at twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. And uh, just another quick plug for our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Atari ST Show. We do have a goal up there. If we can get to $200 a month in Patreon support, the Atari ST Show will go from a monthly show to a weekly show, which would be super awesome because there are a ton of of ST games out there. And uh, there are some real awesome titles on this sort of ST exclusive list that, uh, that I dug up. So uh, hopefully that will happen at some point in the future, which leads us Aaron to our ST supporter roll call. Uh, thank you to all of these fine folks for supporting the Atari ST show on Patreon. Dave Velociraptor control alt Reese Tim Drew, Retro Jerry, and Bernard Quinn. An extra special shout out to all these folks because uh, they started supporting the show when we announced we were doing it, even before our first episode. So uh, that's thank great, you guys. Bro. Yeah, thank you guys for believing in us, and uh, we hope that this uh, this first episode and all future episodes continue to uh, live up to your expectations. Um, if you like our format. Uh, and you want to hear more, feel free to check out the other shows that Aaron and I do. Uh, Amigos, Everything Amiga, Our Sinclair, An American Take on the ZX Spectrum, uh, The Coco Show, Gaming on the Tandy Color Computer, and ARG Presents, where Aaron and the Brent spin the wheel and make the deal. Uh, all of those links are in the show notes. Now, Aaron, next time on the Atari ST Show, we are going to be playing Super Sprint. Super Ooh, Sprint, Aaron. That yeah. one I know. Beautiful. So it's time to get on it. If you support the show and are a member of our Discord community, play it and write us a review to read on the air next week. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening, and make sure you play your Atari today.